Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to a very special edition of the Peristyle Podcast. We're going to do a Stanford game review with a couple of insiders on both sides of the ball. We're going to talk to former USC quarterback Shane Foley, talk about the USC side. We're going to talk to David Lombardi, who works for thebootleg.com, part of the scout.com network. He's a Stanford insider. Want to get his thoughts from what went on up there on the farm. So, great show for you coming up. We'll talk to those guys in a second. Just want to let people know. I know there's been a lot of confusion over the last several weeks. USCfootball.com, moving over to scout.com. So if you have any issues, you can always email me, ryan at uscfootball.com. Give you all the latest stuff that's going on there, but you definitely want to go over there, check it out. That's where the peristyle is. That's where the war rooms are. Everything on uscfootball.com that you knew before is over there on scout.com now. So I know there's some confusion, so if you have any problems with that, Logging in or anything, just drop me an email, ryan at uscfootball.com, and I will take care of it. All right, we are joined on this very special edition of the Peristyle Podcast by David Lombardi. He's a contributor for thebootleg.com, which is the Stanford site for the scout.com network. He's a five-tool reporter up in the Bay Area and a very, very inside the Stanford program, a Stanford insider. David Lombardi joining us. You can follow him at davidlombardisports.com or at David M. Lombardi on Twitter. David, how's it going, man? How are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing, Ryan? Pretty good. Just kind of crazy day yesterday, crazy game. I know you were up there uh, covering the team, and uh, we, you know, you do a great job on Twitter and on the bootleg covering Stanford, and just seem to really know your stuff when it comes to the Cardinal. And another game that you know we were talking off air a little bit seemed like almost a mirror image of the game from from last year between USC and Stanford. Yeah, you could take the, the 2013 game and then put it on steroids. I feel, and, and that's what you'd get last. Uh, that's what you'd get yesterday, at least based on the missed opportunities for Stanford. Because, I mean, in all my keys to the game, I was rambling on and on about how Stanford only scored 10 points in four trips to the red zone last year at the Coliseum, and you know, I, I thought that was terrible in, in comparison to what Stanford did yesterday. That was actually great efficiency. Back in 2013, because they they took the ball inside the USC 30 on every single one of their drives. So nine times Stanford took the ball inside the 30-yard line, and they came up with 10 total points, which I still, you know, just can't understand right now. And, and I know USC had the number one red zone defense in the nation last year. It looks like they obviously have a good red zone defense again, but uh, it's probably going to be hard for anybody to catch USC statistically in that category <laughs> after they got to face Stanford yesterday, and they got a they got nine trips, basically, and they shut them out. That's absolutely insane. When you, when you think about it, you, you're watching the game, you don't realize that, well, Stanford's never been stopped in their own territory. Like, they, they've every single drive somehow found your way inside the 30 and really to only put up 10 points it's crazy and you tweeted out a statistic i think it was uh, maybe you, you can share kind of what is that the average yards per play between the 20s and then inside the 20 yeah i actually between the 30s oh, i'm sorry uh, and 
thirty. Yeah, but but still, I think very similar kind of uh, uh, kind of thing. I guess not between the thirties, between the thirty and the other goal line, and the thirty and the and the USC end zone. So when Stanford was was in the middle of the field before they crossed the thirty, they were averaging eight point nine yards per play. And then after they crossed that 30, as they neared the, the red zone, it was 2.1 yards per play. So, I mean, just a complete tumble off the cliff for Stanford when they got closer to, to the red zone. Wow. Um, yeah, I really didn't expect that. I thought there would be a little bit more scoring uh, in the game than there was. Um, if you look on the Stanford side, that touchdown drive was very Stanford, where there was you know, big play to the the running back out of the backfield. Uh, nice play to the tight end. Uh, they, it wasn't really working the outside receivers as much. It was kind of working the middle of the field, running the football, and uh, you know, tough gutty play with a ogre package or whatever it is to get you know to punch it into the end zone. That looked like Stanford on USC scoring drive. Same thing. That kind of looked like USC. They went, you know, they completed uh, you know three passes on third down, all converted. They you know drove all the way down the field, threw a ball out of the backfield. They kind of mixed it up, you know. After that USC drive, it didn't look like USC's offense was was really doing anything. Stanford's defense just kind of took over. But same kind of thing with Stanford. What's it, I guess it was more when they got into the red zone, they kind of got away from what makes Stanford Stanford. It seems. Yeah, you know, it's they they were more aggressive in the middle of the field, and then. David Shaw, obviously, I mean, I think he's developed a little bit of a of a reputation for 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 getting conservative, for for playing, you know, the NFL style ball control and trusting his high powered defense. And and I think that you you kind of see why he he thinks like that. The Stanford defense has been so good over the past three years, and obviously yesterday I thought they were very good, considering the fact they didn't get any help from the offense. You know, sometimes a defense that loves to rush the passer like, like Stanford's I, I think really fuels itself w- with a lead when they have the crowd and a lead and Stanford never really had that. They're only up by three points yesterday. So considering the fact they didn't get much help from the offense, I thought that holding USC to 291 total yards, 4.9 yards per play. I, I thought that was really impressive. So you, so you could see why David Shaw has such faith in his unit. But I think he, he took it to, to an extreme in that he was starting to punt from the USC 29-yard line, you know, that he was starting to, I think, twice he punted from inside the 35, and he started really taking his foot off the gas play calling-wise as Stanford got close to the end zone because he he was just thinking, oh, let me set my defense up with good field position, and he he almost lost sight of the fact that he needed to score points, you know, to (laughs) to win the game. So it was was really weird, I think. And after the game, Coach Shaw, um, in the press conference, in, in an unusual move, he, he did take responsibility. He said that the red zone issues are are on me, and he said that uh, that the play calling was uh, one of the problems in the red zone. Obviously, there are other ones like the penalties and all that, but um, but, uh, but but I do think that uh, that stuff got out of hand decision making wise for Stanford as they neared the red zone. But let's not take anything away from USC. They they made some plays when they had to. They did stuff Stanford on that fourth down. So you have to tip your cap, but um, I think it's a combination of both. I definitely think it was good defense from USC and just really, really head-scratching uh, decision-making from, from Shaw and company for Stanford. Now, one of the things you told me before we uh, started recording and got on the air here is that David Shaw does take over the play-calling duties, and you, you know, you'd mentioned it, uh, in the red zone. 
And is that something that, you know, when, when you go, when you're looking at the pregame show and they're talking about the red zone problems that Stanford has, uh, they had problems against USC last year. Obviously, it took it to another level, like you said, in this game. Is that something that's kind of an easy fix? Do you think David Shaw would be the kind of coach that would say, you know what, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going to I'm going to drop calling the plays in the red zone. I'm just let the offensive coordinator handle it. Well, I mean, it, it's been an issue before, and and, and it's, that's the thing. David Shaw is doing a fantastic job as Stanford's head coach. You know, to say that you have ten major responsibilities to tackle as a college football head coach. I'm just throwing that number out there. I'm sure it's it's even more. But to say that you have ten to to tackle. David Shaw does nine of those ten, I think, very well. When you look at recruiting, running practice, um, you know, making sure his players are, are fired up to play, just managing the whole huge operation that's a college football program. But the tenth thing, which is that play calling, I, I think that it, we've seen that he's a little in over his head over the course of Stanford's losses the past couple of years. All of the losses for Stanford, and you look at Utah last year, USC last year, um, and now USC this season, and then and even Michigan State in the Rose Bowl, all of those losses have come down to you know some non-rational or irrational decisions, play calling wise, in the red zone. You know, running when Stanford should be passing and passing when they should be running. <laughs> Just situations that really make you wonder, you know, what, why Stanford is playing right into hands of the opposing defense. And I don't think it's because David Shaw's a bad play caller. I think it's, you know, just natural. If you've ever been on a sideline of a football game, especially, you know, packed house, big crowd, tense moment, you can't really see anything from the sideline. You know, there's a reason why offensive coordinators and a lot of the coaches are up up in the booth upstairs because they're, they're separated from, the, the emotional, you know, downpour of everything going on. There's a big whirlwind down on the field. And actually can see plays develop at an angle. So I, I really think that uh, the, the problem is that David Shaw just has too much on his plate. And obviously so far he's been pretty stubborn about the whole the whole play-calling thing. And, and in the past he insisted that, that it wasn't a play-calling issue. Yesterday was actually the first time that we heard him acknowledge, albeit very shortly, that uh, play-calling – might have been lacking in the red zone. So we'll see if that develops into anything. Yeah, we'll, take, we'll pay attention to that going out for the rest of the season. Still think this is a great team and obviously can make a run and represent the Pac-12 North. They've been able to beat Oregon the last couple of years. That'll be key again, again, of course, uh, for Stanford this year, another big game up there in the Pac-12 North. But I want to talk about the Stanford defense a little bit because I had mentioned, you know, about the USC drive. looked It looked a lot like the drives USC had against Fresno State. And then pretty much every other drive the rest of the game for USC didn't look like that. So Stanford, uh, do you feel there were some adjustments made? Because uh, they really kept, you know, a, a team that ran 105 plays last week uh, was back to looking more like a Lane Kiffin kind of team where they were going to try to run as few plays as possible, it seemed like. Yeah, so and that's very common with Stanford's defense. I think we saw it all of last season, actually. Even in the game against USC, the Trojans came out, you know, and moved the ball right down the field. And it happened – against Stanford's defense for multiple teams on their schedule. They gave up an early touchdown. That's simply because Stanford actually uses the opening possession as a a gauge of what the opponent is going to run, especially early in the season. You don't know really, you know, what USC has been working on. So Stanford, their base defense 
on the first series. And you, to USC's credit, they converted three third downs. They moved down the field and they scored. But the new defensive coordinator, Lance Anderson, who's a disciple of uh, Derek Mason, obviously another coach at Vanderbilt, um, used that first possession for USC, a scoring drive, to chart out his plan. And Stanford's plan, interestingly enough, after they made adjustments, was to move to the nickel package for essentially the whole game, which is why I think Buck Allen had so much more success rushing the ball this year than he did last year. Stanford got a little bit smaller up front, and their course of action was to, you know, they really picked their poison, and they picked their poison being the USC running game because they really wanted to shut down all those weapons in the passing game. And I think in the first half, Cody Kessler was averaging 3.5 yards per attempt, which obviously was excellent for this defense, even though they were able to get a little bit of a running game going. So it, it was interesting to see how Stanford adjusted after that that first possession, but um, I think that they adjusted admirably. And I, I don't think anybody today is saying that the defense is the reason that uh, Stanford <laughs> lost that game. Certainly not. And uh, Buck Allen, if you looked at him making a run last year when he won the MVP honors for the team, I think it was the last five or six games where he was just on fire except for one game, and that was the Stanford game. So it's kind of funny that he's the one that ends up being the big offensive producer when last year they really shut him down. Yeah, exactly. And and a lot of people, you know, probably thinking, oh, maybe the the shift to the, the Steve Sarkeesian offense gave him some more running room. And I think there's some truth to that. They, they did spread things out a little bit more, and I think that opened up some holes on the interior because Stanford was so worried about setting hard edges against the receivers for USC. But I think a, a huge factor was the, the fact that Stanford was playing more in the nickel yesterday. They were, they were a little bit smaller uh, because they were trying their best to match up with USC's passing game rather than, than the running game. It was still an extremely impressive performance. Buck Allen was shedding some tackles, and and uh, he, I, I was I didn't see anything from him last year. I think it was like 16 carries, 26 yards. So I, I was wondering, you know, where the the running back that I'd seen on film was when I was at the Coliseum. Yesterday I saw it. Yesterday I saw a very talented guy breaking tackles, good speed, good vision. Um, but I think it was obviously aided as well by the fact that Stanford was in a nickel for much of the game. Um, one of the, I have a couple questions for you about special teams as well. There's some interesting plays that happened on, and we're going to talk about the penalties too, but the two, you mentioned the two punts when they got down, you know, Stanford got into USC territory, field goal range, uh, ended up punting a couple times, was very curious. And I uh, was curious on USC's side too, where it was a four, I think it was a fourth and five, and they could have, you know, attempted a 53-yard field goal or try to go for the first down and, and run some more clock. And they, you know, call a couple timeouts. It was kind of, you know, long and drawn out. And Andre Hidari ends up nailing another long field goal where he's almost lost his job at times for USC. But against Stanford, he seems to play really well. But it was interesting, the decisions. I think you could argue both times Stanford got down there, you should have probably tried to kick the field goal. And there's some probably good arguments that you shouldn't have even attempted that field goal that ended up winning the game for USC. So I thought that was interesting how that all played out. Yeah, I mean, uh, USC was thinking about scoring, and, and Stanford was thinking so much about field position that they forgot about scoring. I, I almost think that Steve Sarkeesian was rewarded for being bold there with that field goal, while Stanford, yeah, it, it is an old cliche, but I think it applied very well yesterday. They were playing not to lose. You know, they were they were never thinking about the points they would actually need to win. They were only thinking about the, 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 the field position they would 
not need to give up the, you know, to, 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 to avoid a loss. So it was this really perverse kind of way of thinking, I think. And, and, you know, it was probably a down, downward kind of spiral. Once, once David Shaw got so committed to the field position game, he didn't want to let it go. And then Sarkeesian finally broke the, the deadlock there by, by sending his kicker out for the 53 yarder. And I think eerily similar to what happened last year. And, uh, you know, last year Stanford didn't have Jordan Williamson. He was hurt for the game against USC. So they had their backup kicker, Conrad Rikaprina. And I remember a 30 yarder, I think it was, was blocked by USC. And they blocked like six kicks last year. Yeah. They might have uh, deflected Jordan Williamson's first field goal today. But uh, regardless of that, he missed that one. He he also missed a much shorter one, and then Stanford decided not to use him for kicks that last year were well within his range. He was 18 of 20 last year from under 50 yards, yet Stanford twice decided to to forego the the field goal and punt in those situations. So it also makes you wonder if there's something wrong with Jordan Williamson physically if he's hurt again. Or, uh, or if the staff just thinks that he's not in a mental position to, to, to be t- uh, attempting those kicks right now. But it was definitely a weird game in that regard. Yeah, I mean, and if you look at, you're talking about field position, two and a half minutes left in the game, you're attempting a 53-yard field goal on the USC side. If you miss that, I mean, yeah, you're giving an excellent field goal is, position yeah. to Stanford. Exactly, yeah. So, I mean, it was, obviously it was a bold move. Sarkeesian was thinking about points. Ahead of field position, and that ended up winning him the game because Chow was thinking out field position ahead of points. I think that was the fundamental difference in philosophy yesterday. Uh, the last thing I wanted to talk to you about was uh, the the officiating. The you know, Lant Clark is is you know he's he's pretty well known as one of the better uh, Pac-12 officials, um, but I don't know how like obviously the Pac-12 officials are not known for their. Uh, I don't know. I don't want to be too mean, but they're not really known as the best group uh, in college football. Um, you can see Glasses Ref at Glasses Ref on Twitter tweeting out all kinds of fun stuff about Pac-12 officiating. It's kind of a joke, uh, it seems most part. But I thought Land Clark usually does a pretty good job. But man, it just seemed like this one got out of hand. There was penalties. I think there was four penalties on the first drive alone, and that just kind of set the tone for the rest of the game. Yeah, there were there. It was a very heavily penalized game, especially for Stanford standards. And it was ironic because last year, in the whole Sarkeesian Shaw brouhaha, Shaw when he gave him that you know really strict rebuke, the injury faking accusation, but the, the one thing that Shaw very sharply said in, in that prepared statement, he noted that Stanford was one of the least penalized teams in the nation. And that ended up being very ironic because immediately there were flags all over the field <laughs> against Stanford. And then, of course, that turned – I mean, it turned into a really weird mess later on when when uh, USC had the player ejected and Pat Hayden came down onto the field. I still didn't know what was going on there. But um, <laughs> it, it, it definitely was one of those games – it was a weird game. You know, let's, let's, just, let's just put it that way. I actually, you know – uh, I thought I I think it's a fascinating matchup whenever Stanford plays USC because of the because of the rivalry. I mean, every single year is that it's just a new crazy twist, and and ever since 2007, you you really look forward to when these two teams play because of you know not necessarily even the, the, the pure football aspect, but the coaching rivalries and the background there. So. 
when you you have all that, you almost you really I think want them both of these teams to play again at Levi Stadium in this Pac-12 championship game because I feel that yesterday has had a weirdness level to it between the red zone and and the officiating and the athletic director on the field yelling at the refs and one of Sarkeesian's assistants texting up to the athletic director's booth for him to come down. I think that you had so many weird things that um, I, I think that you want to see this game again at the end of the season. I think that'd be cool. I don't know what the chances of that happening are because obviously Stanford's a little damaged right now after that loss. They're going to have to come go through the North and Oregon, but um, who knows, you know, um, it's going to be fun moving forward. But thankfully, I think for both teams, this game was only in week two, you know? Yeah. Um, but I, and I think that's part of the reason why it was so sloppy was because it was in week two. But um, um, I, I don't think that – I think Stanford would have a really sour taste in their mouth had this been, you know, in, in, in November right now because you don't have a chance to recover from a game like this in November. But uh, – I guess more thankfully for Stanford, this was in, this was in week two. Yeah, and I don't think you're going to see Stanford lose to a Utah this year. Um, and still, I think I have a great shot at beating Oregon. They have the formula. They know what to do there. So I think there's yeah, – I mean, they're going to have to beat Oregon anyway, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> so, yeah, unless Oregon loses to a Utah or whoever they play, um, then Stanford is, is going to have to go up to Austin and win. And Oregon will have to actually lose twice because – if they beat Stanford, um, yeah, it's just a situation where unless Oregon loses twice, Stanford has to go up there and win. And I guess now they have to win anyway because they've already had that one Pac-12 loss. All right. Well, he's David Lombardi. You can follow him, davidlombardisports.com or on Twitter, David M. Lombardi. He's a great follow. And uh, def- anything up in the Bay Area, he's all over it. And uh, thanks very much, David, for coming on and uh, sharing your thoughts. Yeah, all right. Yeah, thanks, Ryan. All right. Thanks very much. And everyone else, hey, back in a minute, we're going to talk to former USC quarterback Shane Foley. Get his thoughts on the USC-Stanford game. You are listening to the Peristyle Podcast from Los Angeles, California. Hey, USC Trojan fans, to get into the huddle of your Southern Cal Trojans, log on to uscfootball.com today for all the latest in Trojan football, basketball, and recruiting news. Ryan Abraham will give you an in-depth analysis, recruiting updates, and will answer your questions every day on the message board. So for all the latest in team and recruiting news on your USC Trojans, check out uscfootball.com. It's time to get back to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. All right, we're back here on the Peristyle Podcast. We have former USC quarterback Shane Foley joining us on the show. You can follow him on Twitter. Is it at Shane Foley, Shane? Is that what it is? What's your Twitter handle again? At Shane Foley underscore USC. Yes, okay. At Shane Foley underscore USC. (laughs) He was up there on the farm for the Stanford game, and I, I hear you had a little bet going with your uncle on the game that's kind of a standing thing. Yeah, it is. Uh, you know, he played up there uh, late late 70s, early 80s under Bill Walsh, uh, his first run up there at Stanford. And so, yeah, we've had this run going for probably the last seven or eight years, and it started off pretty well. And uh, then, <laughs> you know, he actually uh, was eating pretty well for about four years, and, and so now it's going back to the uh, right direction. So, 
good to be on the right side of it these days. Yeah, not too bad. That's cool that you guys have that that going there. Uh, but you know, we were talking a little before before we came on and started recording about your thoughts on the game. Um, a lot of people that you've talked to kind of called it an ugly game, and I've heard that described quite a bit. Now, I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on that. Was this an ugly win for USC? Well, I, you know, I wouldn't clarify or classify it, I guess, as an uh, ugly game. I mean, it was a low-scoring game. It was a heavyweight fight, in my estimation. The way I looked at that game, Ryan, two heavyweights battling toe-to-toe. Obviously, everybody knows the history of the last several years going down to the wire with you know, those games with Andrew Luck and Barkley. It's been a tight game, and the way we've played each other, it's been physical, you know, physical football. Um, I think we've matched up really evenly and really, you know, competitively with these guys. And so I, I wouldn't really say that at all. I mean, certainly, you know, there were some mistakes made on both sides by both teams. Um, you know, Stanford had a lot of opportunities. And so if you're looking at it probably through their eyes, they're going to probably say, hey, look, you know, we killed ourselves and, we, you know, we beat ourselves, that kind of thing. But I disagree. You know, you have big players playing big games. And, you know, Hadari hitting a 53-yard field goal, their guy missed their field goal, you know, uh, whether, uh, you know, whether Devlin Simmons got, got a thumb on it or not. I mean, he, you know, he missed a chip shot. And then obviously uh, the sack that Devai got at the end to, to ice the game and to, to seal the victory, um, you know, big players made, made big plays. Aguilar, uh, Cody Kessler stepping up, managing the game. I know we'll talk a little bit about that in a bit. But, uh, no, it's an early game. We, we uh, you know, USC beat the defending Pac-12 back-to-back champs. And that's the bottom line. And whether it was high school, high scoring, low scoring, however it broke down, you know the Trojans won the game and are two and zero. And it's their, their next step to getting back to you know staking their claim in the, in the Pac-12 and uh, you know nationally. And so I think that's really the way I look at it. Is it was a great win. However, it looked, and it's just the next step that USC needs to take, and, and we took it. Uh, I wanted to jump in and talk about the game, but before we do that, there was a lot of talk. Uh, there's been a lot of talk, and there continues to be a lot of talk about Pat Hayden and him coming down to the sidelines and all that kind of stuff. And I just want to get your take on that, since that seems to be like a really popular subject right now. <laughs> yeah, I think probably more popular than it should be, actually. And uh, you know, I know Pat, and uh, you know, I just obviously. It was unusual. Certainly, I think that's a big part of it. Uh, you know, seeing an athletic director be that visible and that, that involved, you know, in that situation, probably, uh, you know, it's good for the media, but I think it's a bigger story than it needs to be. Everybody's talking about, you know, him being on the, uh, you know, on the bowl selection committee and, and everything else. I, you know, I just, I don't really feel that way. I, I know that uh, from, from what I understand, his responsibilities aren't, don't even deal with the Pac-12 and, you know, with the West, I mean, he's got, you know, another group that he works with focused on another part of the United States. And so, you know, whether or not he, he, you know, he was down there, he was defending his coach, he was defending his team. Uh, it was unusual, but I, I really think it's become a much bigger story than, than really what it needs to be. And if there's, you know, as Plasky said in the LA times, today um i think that if they removed him i think he'd probably be happier for it <laughs> you know so um you know he's a trojan uh, bleeds carl and gold uh, everybody knows that and you know it was an unusual situation i think he uh, just was answering a request and, and watched the second half down there on the field and was fired up as hey, he should be yeah he definitely looked fired up he's the to me he's the <laughs> usc athletic director first and he's on the bowl committee the uh playoff committee second he can't Absolutely. You, know, for, you forego any 
AD jobs. And if he thought we'd do that as an AD before, he would still do it while he's on the committee and stuff. So it just seemed crazy. I, yeah, I, I, absolutely. You know, and, and, you know, again, it, it's something you're not going to see every day. And, and, and certainly it was an unusual situation. But, you know, I think, yeah, his allegiance and loyalty is to being the athletic director for the University of Southern California. And if, it, if something changes in somebody's minds, you know, because uh, they believe it to be a conflict, so be it, you know, and I think that, uh, you know, he did what was requested of him, and, and I, I don't disagree with it or, you know, think it was a mistake. It just it was an unusual, unusual situation that won't happen again. All right, well, let's talk about the game a little bit. Um, since you're a former quarterback, let's start with Cody Kessler, who threw for almost 400 yards against Fresno State, then had 37 passing yards in the first half against Stanford. Yep. He finished 15-22, 135 uh, yards in the game, but clearly a completely different type of performance than what he had the week before. I don't know if you've ever done something like that or seen that before. What were your thoughts on Cody Kessler going from nearly 400 yards to you know just over 100? Well, I didn't really look at it, Ryan, as, as Cody Kessler. I looked at it as USC. And so, you know, when you take a look at the first game and, you know, uh, really the the offense that we saw there, unprecedented, 105 plays, everything we, you know, we know, almost 400 yards passing, record-setting day for, for Cody. And, you know, this game was it was a completely different game. And, and obviously uh, Coach Sarkeesian and the offense made a conscientious decision to run the football, to be physical. You know, a lot of the time they were playing six guys or seven guys in the box, playing with five defensive backs. You know, we were lining up with wide splits, you know, trying to isolate and create some openings, you know, one-on-one -on -one blocking and did a very good job of it, opening up some seams and holes for, for, for Buck Allen. But I don't really look at it, you know, in terms of Kessler and uh, a lack of yards or lack of stretch in the field. I mean, it was a game plan that uh, Sarkeesian dictated and uh, and Coach Helton dictated, and, and I think Cody Kessler executed well. Um, certainly if efficient. I think his – the patience he displayed, you know, rolling out and, and waiting for guys to get open. I mean, th th those are senior, you know, upper class returning starter uh, defensive backs. I mean, that's the strength of that defense. They lost a lot of guys on the front seven, as we know, with Trent Murphy and Ben Gardner and Shane Scove. And so, you know, obviously the, their DBs, you know, are, are tough football players. And so, you know, I think that he executed very well. You know, he managed the game. Uh, certainly, you know, there were a number of um, – I think situations in the first and the second half, beginning in the second half, where we had three and outs, and, and that certainly put a lot of pressure on the defense, especially how much of the time Stanford was playing in, in you know USC's uh, red zone. But I think that uh, overall, you know, with Cody Kessler, I think he played a very good game, consistent, and uh, was very poised in the pocket. Bought himself some time in the pocket. He, you know, we had a couple of sacks. That uh, you know, against a against a defense that puts a lot of pressure historically on on quarterbacks, and so um, I would uh, you know again be very happy with the win, <laughs> you know the next step like I you know had mentioned earlier, and uh, you know getting ready for Boston College, I'd feel really good about the performance that uh, Cody Kessler had. I guess the big thing, if you look at the game and how close it was, and how, you know how Stanford struggled in the red zone, and USC defense played really well in the red zone, but the fact that USC kept the ball. And uh, didn't turn it over. I thought was the well, you know the big factor in the game. I mean, just if you one or two turnovers in that game, and it's it's likely the result's going to be different. Well, certainly. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, Buck uh, 
got popped up, you know, kind of on that first one and uh, coughed it up and uh, Zach Banner recovered it. So, you know, we did have one fumble that we recovered and certainly, we, you know, we were on the other end, you know, getting the other two fumbles. And so, yeah, one of the turnover battle as time goes on, certainly that's a huge statistic that you look at. Third down conversions and, and uh, turnovers, turnover margin, I think are the two biz- biggest statistics for winning and losing. And so, you know, obviously winning those, uh, they had a lot of momentum, you know, going down there uh, right after Hayes Pillard, you know, end of the third quarter, beginning of the fourth, when he got thrown out of the game. And on the very next play, they cough it up, you know, on whatever it was, a 30 or 25 yard line, was a huge transition. I mean, that was a, a very, very big deal. And so, you know, I think, yeah, with winning the turnovers, uh, certainly getting the fourth down stop down there, you know, going, uh, uh, you know, going in and then missing that field goal. Um, you know, we obviously uh, made plays when we needed to, and you know, kind of a, you know, obviously uh, put put ourselves and our defense in, in you know some pretty tough situations, but they answered the bell and made some big, big plays when it counted most. Yeah, and uh, Buck Allen, if, if you watch the game and, and watch it again. I, I wouldn't have walked away saying Buck Allen had 154 yards. He had a couple of big runs and stuff, but they just kept going with him, and you know he kept delivering. There was a couple drives where he would get 10 yards a pop. You know, first down, yep. first down. You know, yeah. he had that big 50 yarder. But what did you think about you know the run game and Buck Allen? You know, I, I really Ryan. One of the things I, I take away from this game is continued offensive line. Um, improvement, you know, year over year, where we've been uh, to where we are now. I think Tim Drebno, uh, sing his praises. I mean, I think he was a huge acquisition for Coach Sork bringing him in. You've got, uh, obviously, with, with Logan Don and, and Damian Mama, you know, shaking off the injury and, and starting again. You know, two true freshmen starting out there. Zach Banner, you know, in his first year of starting, you got a lot of new faces on that line. Obviously, Max Turk playing a new position and Chad Wheeler on the left side. Um, you know, it wasn't perfect, you know, but but I think really kind of getting down to it, the wide splits, you know, getting a body on a body and uh, creating some of those seams and gaps were huge. I, I agree with you, the 154 yards, you know, was surprising. The 50 yards, uh, the 50 yard run obviously was a big part of that. But there were a number of runs where he was getting 10, 12 yards and not not even getting touched until he was eight yards downfield. And so tremendous job. I think overall, you know, by the offensive line and, and by the tight ends too. I, you know, Randall Telfer, you know, had, uh, who I think is a tremendous player, um, gave up the one sack. He was very frustrated with that. But by and large, I think those guys did a great job. I think the backs are continuing to, you know, pick up big, you know, big blocks in the backfield. Uh, the communication uh, that I noticed um, with Randall Telfer uh, on one particular play, you know, tapping and giving uh, Cody Kessler a heads up that there was pressure coming from the left side. You know, he, uh, he, you know, he was, uh, Kessler was talking to Buck Allen, you know, coming over and crossing over and, and chopping the guy down. You know, I think they're doing a tremendous job for the second game of the, of the season to be playing at the farm at Stanford and uh, to be picking that up. We didn't win every battle, but uh, I'll tell you, a lot of toughness, a lot of tenacity, and, uh, you know, being able to run the ball and, and, and really that being really the highlight of the day. Uh, put 154 yards with Buck Allen on him was was a tremendous uh, uh, you know situation to build on. Uh, let's go to the defensive side of the ball for a little bit, and, uh-huh. and you know pretty much every drive Stanford had. Uh, we were talking to Dave Lombardi, who uh, covers Stanford uh, from the Bootleg.com in the, in the first segment, and he said every single drive Stanford got into inside the USC 30. There wasn't any three and outs. There wasn't any 
holding up, you know, on one side of the field. They were always in, you know, ending up in, in USC territory. And the fact that to only get 10 points, and if you watch the replay of the game, you're like, wow, how did they not score on this drive? And how did they not score on this yeah. drive? It kept happening over and over again. I mean, it, I don't know how they mentally could stay in there and, and, and fight as hard as they did to make sure that Stanford wouldn't score more. Well, you know, I think that's a big part of it. I mean, mental toughness is a big part of playing football, Ryan. And, and uh, certainly I think what, you know, what we're seeing right now with, I think, overcoming, you know, some of the, you know, some of the other stories off the field and some of the things that they've blocked out and just said, you know what, hey, we're a team, we're Trojans. We're going to play together. We're going to find a way. You know, we're traveling with 57 guys. I know Greg Townsend, you know, didn't travel on the trip. Depth is going to be an issue, you know, for this season. We, we, we know this. But, They've got what they've got, and they play together. You know, they they play to win, and uh, you know they they came together to make big plays when it counted most. I mean, certainly, you know, Stanford had opportunities. I mean, we stuff them on a fourth down. You know, they miss a field goal. You know, they fumble. That you know, down there going in the other time. Penalties were a big part of this game as well for both sides. You know, the chop block that they called. Um, you know, uh, Herb Street, you know, said it was a little bit questionable, but, uh, you know, high-low designated, I mean, that, that took points off the board as well. So you had, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, I, I, as we said earlier, I mean, from Stanford's standpoint, I'm sure they feel like they beat themselves and whatever else, but, you know, all they can do is, uh, you know, regroup on their side, and, and obviously it's a great one for us to build on. But I think, you know, the defense, you know, answered the bell, and, uh you know, we, we didn't get a lot of three and outs. They, they were pretty successful on third down conversions. But, you know, again, the deeper we got, you know, into USC's red zone, the tougher we played. We made them earn every point that they, uh, that they had, even though it was 10 points. You know, it was a great day for the Trojan defense and for Justin Wilcox. Yeah, you know, the, the two sacks late, you know, Leonard Williams gets on the board. He had 11 tackles. I wasn't even sure if he was going to play. I mean, the guy wasn't yeah. practicing all week. I mean, the fact that he could go out there, I don't really expect to see him practice the rest of the, rest of the year, Shane, but if he yeah. plays like that, he doesn't need to practice. Well, you know, I think, Ryan, he's one of those guys that, uh, you know, comes around uh, not very often. You know, I played with Junior Seau. He's a teammate of mine. And, um, you know, there's just generational guys that uh, do things really, really well. And, uh you know, he's a gamer. You know, obviously he was hobbling around. They showed it. I did watch the replay of the game, and because uh, I was up at the farm, as we said earlier, um, you know, they showed him kind of hobbling around um, before the game and kind of took himself out of the game early. But once he got going, uh, he he got going. And so, you know, to be playing at whatever percentage it was, 60, 70, you know, 75%, uh, the motor doesn't stop with that guy. And, uh, you know, he neutralized their offensive line, uh, even though they've got four, you know, four of the five guys are new guys. Kyle Murphy is not a, you know, not a first-time starter at right tackle. So, so lining up on him, lining up on Andres Pete, he's a warrior, you know, and he kept coming. And, uh, you know, obviously at the next level, you know, there's going to be a lot of success. But, you know, as they talked a lot about on the uh, broadcast, he's not saving himself. You know, there was a lot of talk about, you know, clowning last year at South Carolina taking plays off. Leonard Williams does not take plays off. You know, he's a warrior. You know, he fights every play, whether it's a run, whether it's a pass. Uh, he can change, you know, change the, uh, the game. Um, and so, obviously, I think he's a huge part of the, the success that we had and, and uh, certainly was a leader, I think, after uh, Hayes Pillard was, uh, you know, left the game at the end of the third quarter. I think he really stepped up and took it upon himself to, to lead these guys and to make the plays. And so, um, 
you know, just I don't care if he doesn't practice the rest of the year, buddy. I just <laughs> want him to be healthy and, and out there on Saturdays for sure. Yeah, you mentioned Hayes Pillard, and uh, you know that we uh, got to hear Steve Sarkeesian's conference call that he uh, he's not sure if he's going to be available. But the rule is for targeting, you're going to miss the first half of the next game. So it looks like he's going to miss the first half of the. Boston College, Boston game. College game, yeah. So uh, Michael Hutchins came in. I thought did a, a pretty good job and huh? uh, filling in pretty well there. But is that you know when you're on a team like that and you're emotional leader? He's a very emotional player. Hayes Pollard yeah. is. When your emotional leader is is basically kicked out of the game, and you can still kind of uh, rally around the team. I mean, I thought that was a pretty ex- ex- significant step for USC to take because seeing the leader go down like that, they could have all folded like a house of cards. You know, Ryan, yeah, absolutely you can. And, um, you know, certainly, uh, you know, the emotional part of the, the game is, is a big part of it as well. And so, yeah, I, I've, you know, in the full report and the stuff that I do, I mean, I, you know, he's the heart and soul of, of that defense and a team captain and a guy that, uh, you know, has been there through thick and thin and uh, keeps playing. And, uh, you know, obviously uh, I think, you know, a lot of, of Hayes Plard. And so, you know, obviously uh, – it can change things a lot, but I, what we're seeing and, and, you know, teams develop an identity as they go along, you know, every year, you know, it, they create a new one because you have new players, new coaches, new, new faces. So you, you know, you start seeing a personality uh, develop. And so, you know, again, with some of the naysayers and the critics about it being an ugly game and, you know, 13 to 10 and, you know, Hey, how can SC be ranked this high and whatever else, they have to say it's a W, you know, and I don't look at it as more than it should be. I mean, to me, it's the next step that USC needed to take. Coach Sarkeesian needed it. USC needed it. You know, I mean, backing up a little bit, Coach Sark was one and four against Stanford uh, at Washington. You know, USC obviously has been one and four the last five years as well. So for, on a lot of levels, recruiting, everything else, I mean, this was just a huge, huge day for USC. And the emotional part of it with Hayes Blard going out, that ties into it because, you know, they're creating leadership here now with these guys. And, you know, having 57 guys, you know, having 60, whatever it's going to, you know, really toggle between number-wise, these guys are here to 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 play and to win. You know, you got a Dory Jackson lining up on Ty Montgomery. You've got – you know, Chris Hawkins out there, you know, playing as a redshirt freshman. You got a lot of youth, a lot of young guys being put in high pressure, highly important situations, and they're answering. You know, they're 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 stepping up and there's not a lot of people looking for credit. There's not a lot of people saying, Hey, you know, I need to have more catches or I need to be have more touches or whatever it is. And there's not you know, I mean, obviously from a coaching standpoint, I don't think there's a real big push to get guys numbers, you know, either. And, you know, to, to run up statistics or anything else, and I'm not going to mention any names, but, you know, obviously I think it's just about finding ways to win. And whoever can step up that particular day, there's, there, you know, the guys aren't concerned about that. So when Hayes went down, I think that's a huge loss. Uh, obviously being a team leader, team captain, leading the team in tackles, having a very great, you know, instinctual ability to be around the football. He'll be back in the second half of Boston College. You know, on that note, questionable call. I mean, they showed it from different angles on that. I think that uh, that could have gone either way. I certainly was a late hit. I, I, you know, as far as targeting and leaning with the helmet, when they showed it kind of from the reverse angle, it looked like it could be, you know, 
uh, a situation where that was the case. But he'll come back from it. He's done all the right things. He said all the right things. And he said, hey, I have to learn from it. I have to come back from it. But that's that's what you see. You see a lot of humility, you know, from these guys, you know, after the game. Giving credit, you know, Cody giving credit to the linemen, you know, giving credit to his team, giving credit to the defense. You know, these guys are, are coming together and establishing uh, who they are. And it's and, and it's all team. And that's what, what's been lacking. And, and I'm happy it's back. Uh, one of the last subjects we want to talk about, some special teams work. Of course, Andre Hidari loves playing against Stanford. Game-winning field goals the last two years. He did have a late hit out of bounds that his ho- head coach, <laughs> Steve Sarkeesian, wasn't real happy about, but I guess he made up for it there. But uh, get your thoughts on Andre Hidari's game. Yeah. Well, you know, I've got a couple former teammates uh, that, that have been critical uh, of, of Andre Hidari. And, uh, you know, um, He's not a he's not your typical kicker. You know, most of those guys, you know, that I played with and that I knew were, you know, uh, unusual guys that tend to be a little quieter. I mean, he's certainly, you know, not afraid to step up and and, and be noticed. But you know, certainly there was a lot of talk about the competition uh, that he had in the summertime. Uh, you know, obviously having a great, great freshman campaign. I think if I'm not mistaken, he was 15 to 17 as a freshman and he, you know, he had the injury. I know, uh, I think he's a sophomore. So, you know, he's had his ups and downs, but, you know, obviously, uh, you know, stepping up last year against Stanford and the emotional, uh, victory that we had, it was really cathartic, you know, having, you know, having USC, uh, rest the field. I've, I've actually never seen it quite like that. <laughs> last year you know but then to, to answer the bell again and uh, to step up with 230 left and hit the 53 yarder um you know i think that uh you know certainly coach stark was a teachable moment for him to get upset about uh you know <laughs> about the penalty you know that he got but uh, i think he probably was 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 happy with him <laughs> in the end and so you know, I think he pulled that together. And, and after that kick, too, by the way, you know, obviously, uh, you know, he kicked that ball about, you know, six, seven yards in the end zone in time Montgomery downed it after he drilled that field goal. So the emotions were running high. And, you know, he certainly, uh, you know, stepped up and uh, did, did some good things. So, and, and obviously, uh, you know, he's been the, you know, been one of the, one of the primary guys and, and the hero the last couple of years. Uh, you know, that's the thing, Ryan, you know, the, the kicker and the quarterback really can be the hero or the goat, especially the kicker. Cause you know, obviously in pressure situations like that, but uh, you know, he obviously has delivered uh, against Stanford and uh, hopefully he can just find that uh, consistency. They can build on this. And, you know, I imagine uh, as competitive as the, as the conference is, there's going to be some other situations with some close games where we're going to need him to really uh, step up again. But uh, for now, that was just a, a huge kick and, and just a huge team win. Yeah, certainly was. And uh, one last thing, on, I don't want to end on a, a sour note, but I did want to talk about the on special teams, the kickoff return, uh, cover, the, the kickoff return team. We have Nelson Aguilar back there. I thought we'd see a little bit more of uh, – George Farmer kind of, you know, took, taking those duties over, but they've had Aguilar back there. I don't know if you've been watching that, if it's been the blocking, but even against Fresno State, they just haven't been able to get any sort of return that gets out past the 25-yard line, it seems like, every single time. Um, I mean, is that an issue for you going forward? Is that something you've noticed, and what, what are your thoughts on that? You know, um, I'm still, for me, it's still kind of a work in progress. I mean, when I'm looking at the games, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, kind of looking at punt returns, and, uh, you know, there obviously weren't, weren't many punts in this game. Um, 
you know, especially from Stanford's side. Uh, but, you know, punt and kickoff returns, um, you know, even against Fresno State, when there were a lot of punt return opportunities, you know, Adoree Jackson, Adoree was the only guy that really had an opportunity to return it. And, uh, you know, love Nelson. Obviously, he had a great punt return against Cal last year. Um, you know, he's a playmaker. He's tremendous. But I think with some of these guys that we have now, um, you know, with the Dory Jackson, with Juju Smith, with George Farmer that you mentioned, was was happy, to, by the way, to see him, you know, get a few catches and, and be, you know, physical, strong physical receiver on, on the outside. I thought it was great to see him in there. But uh, I, I want to see kind of how things unfold the next couple of weeks. I mean, obviously we play this week and then we have a bye. But I think we'll know a lot more probably by the end of September on that, Ryan. I think that uh, – you know, we've got a lot of uh, – quite a bit different than than under under uh, Kiffin. We've got a lot of starters that are out there, you know, on, on the special teams. And, uh, you know, you got a lot of guys that, that are that are big-time players for, for us that um, – for USC that actually uh, that contribute. So, you know, I think that uh, whether it's George Farmer, whether it's Nelson Aguilar, whether Juju Smith gets some touches, I'd like to see Adore Jackson. I think every time – you know, he gets the ball in his hands. I think he's an exciting player to see what happens. But, uh, you know, I think we just need to continue uh, to kind of spread it around a little bit and see who emerges. It's kind of a unique, you know, some guys you may not think step into that role as a punt returner uh, or, or on the kickoff return side. Um, it can be some guys that, that you may not think of as, as you know, the guy that's going to be the best guy doing it, and, and guys emerge. So I think a little more time will tell as to who should be back there, and um, looking forward to seeing who, who that is. All right. Well, great stuff, Shane. We appreciate you coming on the show. It's good. We had you on a, a video early on in fall camp, and I wanted to get you back out there and get your thoughts on what's going on with these Trojans. But big win, USC's 2-0. One and zero in the Pac-12. They haven't been that for a while, so it's a it's a good start. <laughs> yeah, that has been a while. So good to see that. Cool. All right. Well, thanks very much, Shane, for joining us. Thanks, Ryan. All right. Look forward to talking to you again. Thanks. Yeah, you can follow him on Twitter at Shane Foley underscore USC. Thanks very much for tuning in to this special edition of the Parastyle Podcast, a review of USC's big win over Stanford. We'll be back with our regular podcast again on Monday. Thanks very much for tuning in. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. And don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your iPod or MP3 player for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 